Hello, podcasters. Welcome back to Mr. Stroud's History Class. Before I begin, I want to welcome two new students, Valerie and Jeremy. I am so happy that they have joined our history class. Every podcaster, I want to tell you over and over, I am thrilled that you are a podcaster, that you attend Mr. Stroud's history class. I cannot tell you how thrilled I am about that. Now that you know that I am a thrilled podcasting teacher, uh, what we're going to talk about today, we use the we, we always use the we when all you're going to do is hear me, but we are going to hear me tell you a story because I do not like the word lecture. Do not lecture me. This is a story. All stories in Mr. Stroud's history class are true. If I tell you something that's not true, it is an analogy. I know. It is as if so. This is a true story. I want you one day, when you have absolutely nothing else to do, to go back and listen to every podcast that I've done and count how many times I've told you these things. What things? These things. How do you tell about 10 different things at one time? I can't do it. I don't think you can. That's the way it is with every podcast when I get ready to tell you a story. There are like 10 things I've got to tell, but I can only do it one at a time. Keeping that in mind, Jamestown, Virginia, 1607. That's when it was established. All podcasters, what a story. I'm going to do one on Jamestown. I'm going to do one on the witches. I'm going to do one on the Puritans. I'm going to do one on the colony that was lost. But Jamestown, in case you get on Jeopardy, was the first English colony established that was permanent. And the date was 1619. Anytime I mention the date 1619 in Jamestown, and by the way, it was James's town on the James River, named for King James. Anytime I mention that in 1619, House of Burgesses was established, the first representative government in what we will later call the United States of America. It is so ironic that also was the beginning of something else. The first slaves were brought into Jamestown in 1619. I don't remember exactly how many there were, about 20. All right, podcasters, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something right now. If you are on Jeopardy and you rang in and you say 1619 members of question slaves were brought into America, the James, you will get the money. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell it to you right now. I'm going to whisper it. Did you hear that? 
I'm not going to whisper it, but pretend. They were not slaves. They were Africans, but they were not slaves. They were black Africans, but they were not slaves. One more time. Black Africans were not slaves that were brought to Jamestown in 1619. How do you know, Mr. Stroud? You weren't there. All podcasters, go back, go back, and you count every podcast, every time I said that learning is an ING. And how do you ING? Learning, you reading, ING, read. There's something about Jamestown that I really am intrigued about, and that is the Pocahontas and John Smith story. I'm not going to get off on that right now. I may just do a Pocahontas and Jamestown John Smith story. Three books. Three books I read on Jamestown. So what I'm going to tell you right now, again, for the 19th time, the black Africans brought to Jamestown in 1619 were not slaves. They were indentured servants. Now let me mention something now. I've had students once in a while ask. Not very often. All right, let's get this straight right now. You want to, podcasters? Slavery is a sore in America that is not healed. And I don't know when it's going to heal. But it hasn't healed yet. So very few students, even if they wanted to know, did not answer. Now that's me guessing. I don't know. What are you talking about, Mr. Stroud? How did slavery, African slavery, get started in America. You know there were Indian slaves before that. There's so many stories. See, I can't get off on these rabbit trails. I just cannot do it. I'm going to have to do a podcast on these different rabbit trails. I'm going to tell you what only I know because one professor that I had in college. I'm going to tell you who he was in case anybody's from East Texas with the SFA a long time. Dr. Archie P. McDonald. He was a legend down there. This is the only exclamation that I've ever heard about how Africans in America became slaves from indentured servants. And this is the answer according to Dr. Archie P. McDonald, and according to Mr. Stroud in this podcast. When an indentured servant came from England, for example, because this is Jamestown. Oh, and by the way, the term indentured. Again, Dr. McDonald. That these were very poor, economic, situated individuals in England. And in America, everything was great. They have, they said, more gold in America than we have copper here. 
And then as those gold fields proved to be not so proficient, so realistic, they started farming, growing crops. Tobacco was one of the crops that they grew that actually saved Jamestown. But these poor economic individuals in England wanted to come to America, go to America and get, how are you going to get there? They had no money. And so, and I have a belief that these things sound much better when you are, all podcasters, do not do this. Do not do this. You understand? Do not do this. Do not do this. But I have a feeling that many of these things took place in alcoholic taverns selling alcoholic beverage. And when they were drinking alcoholic beverage, these things sounded a lot better. Have I got a deal for you? If you sign on the dotted line, what, they can't sign? They can't sign. They can't write. They can't sign. So let me tell you what I want to do, and I'm going to tell you how you're going to quote sign. I got a deal for you. I'm going to pay for you to get to America for your voyage. And when you get over there, someone is going to pay your expenses. And we want to make a profit, so you're going to be auctioned off. And whoever wins you does not own you as a slave, but you're going to be indentured to them for, let's say, three years. Now, you would be like a slave, but you won't be a slave because at the end of your indentured time of three years, you're going to get free, and you're going to get 20 acres of land. Well, my gosh, that's a good deal. You can stay in England and never, ever, ever have an economic chance. Or you... And here they came. Now, here's the problem, podcasters. When those three years were up and you got your freedom and you got your land, you know where you're going to be? Next door. And guess what you're going to grow? The same crop. Guess what happens? As more people grow more of the same crop, the price goes down. And so what started happening was the term of indenture got longer. Now, I want you to raise one hand if you're not driving and I want that hand to go up when I tell you the number of years that you'll be unwilling to work to get that land, okay? Here we go. Three years. Five years. Ten years. Fifteen years. Twenty years. You know what's happening? Fewer and fewer hands are going up. And I go to 25, 30 years. And guess what? I don't see a hand up there. That was the problem. That was the problem. And so, the black African indentures term got longer and longer, and then it was for life. Why blacks? They were easier found if they ran. That is the only explanation I've ever heard or read about how slavery, African slavery, got started in America. Now, what's that got to do with these Civil War lectures? This. 
I did all of that. See, this is the rabbit trail you keep going down. These are the times when you have to say 17 things at one time. Oh, and one more thing. While you're doing the podcast and counting all of the times I told you the ING word, or that has 17 things to say at one time, while you're doing all of that, make sure that you also count how many times I've said that the Civil War is the War of the Rebellion. That is the name that is the official name. How many times I've told you about slaves just now? How many times I've told you that there are other things to know about this? I'm telling you that right now. But what I'm going to tell you right now, how many times have I said that? It's like beating the drum, getting you ready. We're going to move up to the War of the Rebellion. And a lady by the name of Mary Chestnut. Mary Chestnut. I hope you've seen at one time the Gone with the Wind, a red Gone with the Wind. I don't know much about Mary Chestnut. I think as far as I'm concerned, she was the Scarlet O'Hara. She was the real one, although she was married. But so was Scarlet. This is what I'm getting to, podcasters. She kept a diary. And this diary has been used by more historians than I have time to tell you about and certainly do not have enough fingers on both hands. And I do have 10, by the way, to count. If you have any interest in the War of the Rebellion or anything like that, Mary Chestnut's diary is worth reading. Now, this is where I'm going to. Let's go to 1864. No, scratch that. Misspoke. Misspoke. I'm not going to go back. Not 1860. Let's stay with 1864. Let's stay with it. That's okay. Mary Chestnut, when she was listening to Union artillery in the distance, a battle was coming, and she said this about the slaves. They sit there like furniture. They make no facial expressions. They do not move. Are they stupid or wiser than us? I'm going to say that again. Are they stupid or wiser than us? Oh, podcasters. Oh, podcasters. You know what? They were waiting. They were waiting. They knew what that war was about. They knew what caused that war. They knew. How did they know? Oh, podcasters. Back in them their days, back in them their days. 
Everything was so good back in them their old days. No air conditioner. No heater. No indoor bathrooms. Oh, it was so good back in them their days. And as Southern gentlemen would get together and all podcasters that get them some Southern Comfort whiskey to drink. And the ladies went to another room and the men went to a room. And what do you talk about? You talk about politics. And that abolitionist Lincoln has done been elected president of the United States. He's got to free the slaves. This war is about freeing the slaves. That's what this war is all about, about freeing the slaves. Guess who's walking outside? And you know when you start drink, oh my gosh, podcast, do not do this. But alcohol makes you talk loud because everybody seems to get hard hearing. And those windows are open because it's Virginia and it's hot and it's summertime. And they're drinking and they're talking and they're mad about Abraham Lincoln wanting to free all them slaves down here. But you know what, podcasters? It had started before that. Let's play Jeopardy. You want to? Historical Jeopardy. Here we go. We're going to do it differently. You don't have to do this as a question. Here we go. You ready? Get ready. Historical Jeopardy. Who was the first man to run for president as a Republican? Wrong. Wrong. If you said what everyone said when I asked that question, you are wrong. The first man to run for president as a Republican was John C. Fremont. And guess what the slogan was? Free men, free soil, and Fremont. Another little tidbit. He was also the first man to run for president that had a beard. One more little tidbit. He was married to a Catholic. And so his political opponent said he was a Catholic. Now all of that, John C. Fremont. Free men, free soul. Podcasters, I read a book. Read a, oh my gosh, Mr. Strat, you read a book? I read a book. Lincoln's Pathfinder. Another Jeopardy. John C. Fremont was known as the Pathfinder. Well, oh my gosh, but podcasting, I read another book, another book about a mountain man, a frontiersman, oh my gosh. And he was the one that showed the Pathfinder where to go. That man was Kit Carson. See, I'm going down that rabbit trail. I got to stop going down that rabbit trail. Free man, Free Soul, Podcasters, when I read that book, Lincoln's Pathfinder, if you know, if you know American history, and you know about the 1860 presidential election, and you know about the slavery thing, you know about all of that, if you read about the 1856 presidential election and did not know it was 1856, and they did not mention who was running, guess what? You'd ring in and say, that's got to be Lincoln. Slavery was the question then as well as in 1860, and those slaves knew it. They knew it for the reasons that I just told you. 
Southern gentlemen drink Southern whiskey and Southern gentlemen do not like abolitionists. And they talk loud. And when John C. Fremont was defeated and James Buchanan won the presidency, one of the slave cabins, they knew that John C. Fremont had been defeated. But a slave said, the candle has been lit. The candle has been lit. And the flame is going to get brighter. Oh, podcasters. All of that. All of that to tell you about three runaway slaves. One, Frank Baker. Shepard Malloy. And James Townsend. Wait right there, Mr. Stroud. You hold on right there. Do not go any farther. You know what? I just listened to some great lectures on the high Middle Ages from the great course. I listened to these lectures riding around in my pick-em-up truck, and I learned something. I learned something when last names came about. You go back to the year 1000 A.D., and that's when they started having last names. Guess what? Did I just tell you about these slaves and their last names? Here we go, podcasters. Slaves did not have last names. They did not have last names. If you had a last name, you were a person. A person. It's peculiar, that institution. The Southerner said it was a peculiar institution. They looked like people. They looked like humans, but they weren't. They were property. Property. No last names. They're not human. They were property. Another way of doing it, and I did this back when I was teaching 8th graders, they were like a pet. Your pet dog. You give your pet dog one name. You give your horse one name. They did not have last names. But did I not just give you last names? Here we go, podcasters. The last name was the name of the owner. That's who that slave belonged to. And although you could be sold and still have that same last name, podcasters, I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't know everything. I do not know everything. Let me mention something that I mentioned in a podcast so long ago. If you've listened to every one of them on the patios about the jigsaw puzzle, and there's a thousand pieces, but we've only found a few of them. That's the way it is with this history. We can't answer every single question. There are facts, and facts are a strange thing. Slaves had no last name. The last name was the name of the owner. 
and these three runaway slaves the Underground Railroad they weren't on the railroad they weren't underground they stole a boat because slaves could not own property a little rowboat on the James River and they rowed across it was nighttime I don't actually know what night they rode across, but since I mentioned that, the best time for a slave to run away was Saturday night. Because Sunday they didn't work, and that gave you a free day to get away. Also, since I'm talking about runaway slaves, all podcasters, here we go. 17 things I got to tell you just because I mentioned runaway slaves. 17, count them. One, Frederick Douglass, the most famous runaway slave in American history. He said the biggest mistake that non-slave made about slaves was they were happy when they would sing. Singing slaves are happy slaves. Frederick Douglass said that was the biggest mistake a non-slave made of a slave. Podcasters, here we go. Four things now. What do you think they did on Chang Gang? They sang. Is that because they're happy on the Chang Gang? I think not. But when the slaves in the field were singing... Some of the songs they sang had code words in them. And they were directions on the Underground Railroad. They were directions for runaway slaves. They were advice. In case there was a runaway slave in the area, you would sing these songs. And what I want you to do, I'm going to give you some homework. Because what I really want you to do is really get as much out of these stories as you possibly can. And you crank up that old Google machine and you go to slave songs. And there's two I want you to listen to that are just beautiful. One is Wade in the Water. Wade in the Water. Because dogs can't sniff your scent in the water. You go in the water. You do not go on land. And the other one, Follow the Drinking Gourd. All podcasters, that's not only telling you about the Underground Railroad, but who the conductor is when you find him. Now, I want to tell you a little story. Well, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to tell you, when I was teaching, and I took my boombox into class, I played the class, the students, follow the drinking gourd, and I told them that that was a slave song for directions on the Underground Railroad. And one of my black students came up and asked if she could borrow that tape. Oh, yes, I could borrow that tape. I loaned it to her. It took a while before she came back, and she apologized. She played it for a minister. Her minister played it for the congregation. And one member of that congregation after another 
borrowed that tape. She says she was sorry. I was thrilled. Listen to those songs. These three slaves went across the James River to Fort Monroe, Fortress Monroe, which runaway slaves were going to call Freedom Fort. Oh, podcasters, there is a wonderful book, 1861, The Civil War Awakening. I think I've told you about that book three times or five. And you know what? Okay, I know, I know, I know what you're thinking. Northerners were prejudiced. Slaves were not treated much better as free men in the North. I know all of that. I also know that if a runaway could make it to Canada, that was where they wanted to go. And also, since we're talking about Underground Railroads, there was one through Texas that went to Mexico. But you know what? When these three young men made it to Fortress Monroe, those Union soldiers looked at them as people, humans. They did not look past them. And they talked to them, not around them. And they wanted to know about them. I'm going to say that again. They talked to them and not around them. Now, what I just told you is going to be extremely important because of the commander of that fort. Now, I want you to get that Google machine out, and I want you to find a portrait of this man. And I know beauty is in the eye. Beauty is in the eye, but I want you to look at this man. All right? His name was Benjamin Franklin Butler. I'm going to tell you, in my eye, the man is anything but handsome. Podcasters, this learning is something. Because of what I'm going to tell you, I knew before I knew about Benjamin Butler. I knew what he did before I knew about him. Because what he did, I thought he was an abolitionist. He's from Massachusetts. I was positive that man voted for Lincoln. And guess what? Wrong, 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 wrong. He was not an abolitionist. He did not vote for Lincoln. He voted for James Buchanan. He was a Democrat, not a Republican. And the man he backed for the Democratic ticket in 1860 was Jefferson Davis. But listen to what he does. A day or two later, a Confederate officer came to see Benjamin Franklin Butler. And he said, Sir, I have come to get those runaways. They weren't his, but he was getting them for the man who owned those three runaways. And according to federal law, you have to return those runaways to the owner. That's the fugitive slave law. Listen to this, podcasters. Benjamin Franklin Butler said, sir, that is all true. But I believe not long ago, the state of Virginia left the United States, so you are no longer under federal law. And that Confederate officer said, sir, you say we did not leave, 
Therefore, we are, and we want those slaves back. I'm going to jump to this, my friend podcasters. Listen to this. There is something in international law called contraband. Now, the way I did it when I was in class, and I, oh, I really, let's say that country A, United States, wants to trade with country B, England. And country A, United States, wants to trade with country C, France. But A knows that B and C, France and England, are at war with each other. So can we sell to them? Can we do trade with them? Yes, 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 yes. As long as we do not sell anything that will help one country wage war against the other, if that happens and you find them on the high sea, you stop that ship and you can confiscate them. That is contraband. Now let's play a contraband game. I want you to do this. I want you to start naming things that will help one country wage war against the other. Here we go. You ready? Guns. Ammunition. Food. Food. Army travels on its stomach. Newspapers. An informed soldier is a good soldier. Comic books. A happy soldier. Donald Duck goes to war. Slaves. Slaves. Grew the food that fed the army. Drove the wagons that took the food to the army. They dug the trenches that the army fought in. Slaves were... You ready? Can you say it? General Butler said, those aren't runaway slaves, those are contraband. And you know what you can do with contraband, podcasters? Confiscate it. They're not slaves, they may look like slaves, they may talk like slaves, but they're not slaves, they're contraband, and there ain't no runaway contraband law, you understand? So he did not return those slaves. And more slaves started coming. Well, my gosh, people, here we go, here we go. That is a federal law, future slave law. And so what I would do when I was in class, I would ask the students, here we go, here we go. You are a federal officer. You take an oath. You obey the laws of the federal government. This is a law. So what do you do when there's a runaway slave looking at you? Well... I don't like the law, but it's the law, so you're going to return them. B, this war ain't about slavery anyway, so you're going to return them. C, it may be the law, but I'm not going to return anyone to any slavery. But Benjamin Franklin Butler said, don't worry about any of that. They are contraband. When the federal government found out about this, When Abraham Lincoln found out about this, he got Congress to pass the Confiscation Act. 
right, I'm going to tell you right now, podcasters, you can Google all this stuff, you can read Wikipedia, and it's going to overwhelm you with information. I don't play that game. I give you enough to understand the importance of what's taking place. The Confiscation Act. Guess what it did? Yes. You ready? You ready? Did two things. One, freedom to any slave that made it to federal lands. I'm going to say that again. Freedom to any slave that made it to federal lands. Now, some of you might actually watch football. So I'm going to give you an analogy. That's not an analogy. I'm going to give you a situation. You have a running back. They're on the one-inch line. He goes across that one-inch line. He scores. He crosses the plane. And that defensive linebacker picks that man up and takes him 20 yards back and throws him on his head. Is that a touchdown? You're darn right it is. Why? Because he crossed the plane. If a runaway slave can cross the plane into federal territory, he is freed, freed, freed. And the Confiscation Act did something else, as long as they were at it. Now, some of these things I'm telling you, when I was in class, would actually shock students. It granted, take that word back. I'm granted, it granted freedom to run away. Here we go. Here we go. It abolished slavery in Washington, D.C. It abolished slavery in Washington, D.C. If you know about the 1850 Compromise, it ended the slave trade in Washington, D.C., but not slavery. This ended slavery in Washington, D.C. The national capital of the United States in 1862 in August finally abolished slavery. That's the beginning, podcasters. That's the beginning. Now, I want you to go and I want you to listen to the songs. This is where I'm going to end it right now, and I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Okay, according to my screen that I'm looking at, because I can't look at you, I have been talking for, here we go, here we go, almost 39 minutes. We're getting on to 40 minutes, people. It's about time for this class to get over. But this happened when I was in the classroom, because what's coming next I'm going to need an entire class to tell you about. Because what is coming next is going to win the war for the Union. Go back and listen to all the Civil War lectures. What in when the war for the Union? Grant's name change in a sword presentation. Now, how do you do this? I think about this stuff. Let's use the football game. Here's the game. Here's the game. There's two seconds left. It's a field goal. It's a 42-yard field goal. They're behind two points. Really? That's the game? What about in the first quarter, the first down you didn't make when it was third and one? See, to win the war for the Union is not just one thing. It's a combination of things. 
But what I'm going to tell you about in the next podcast, in the next lecture, I want you to attend. Because I will tell you now, it is one of the most misunderstood. Now, when I say that, I think I can see people saying, what are you talking I'm going to tell you about the Emancipation Proclamation. One of the most misunderstood. Here we go. See, even to say that word. Oh, yeah, Lincoln didn't like slaves. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he wrote Podcasters. You need to attend class when I do the Emancipation Proclamation. That's all I'm telling you right now. And what this is. This is leading to the Emancipation Proclamation. All right, podcasters, go Google, YouTube, follow the drinking gourd, wade in the water, and I will see you in the next class. Have a great one.